0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. Join Andy Schneider, national spokesperson for the USDA APHIS Avian Health Program, editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine and author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, Chicken Fact or Chicken Poop, and Zero Waste Chicken Keeping as he welcomes top poultry veterinarians, poultry scientists, and poultry nutritionists to discuss the hot topics in the poultry world today and provide science-based fact-based, study-based information to help you raise the healthiest poultry possible. And now, here's your host, Andy Schneider.
2: All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today. I'm getting a little bit of choppy sound. I'm going to bring uh, Rip on here in just a minute and see if he what, what kind of audio he has. I'm getting a little bit of choppiness on my end, so once I... Bring Rip Stalvey on, our guest for the day, uh, with the American Poultry Association. We're going to be talking all about selection and breeding, kind of an introductory, uh, introductory uh, little show about uh, selection and breeding. And then once I bring him on and have him start um, talking about that, teaching us about that. I may reboot the system and see, especially if we're getting some choppy sound, because we definitely do not want that for today's show. But again, thank you very much for joining us today. Everything is going great. Uh, CoopTastic, the registrants are coming through. Uh, we're having tons of vendors that are wanting to sign up for Tastic 2020. It's going to be an awesome event. If you have not already registered, you can go and register and reserve your on-site hotel room and your registration at cooptastic 2020. Dot com. Again, that's cooptastic2020.com. We have all nine of the speakers lined up and confirmed. They together they represent three major poultry science universities. We've got Auburn University. Uh, We've got University of Georgia, and we have North Carolina State University, and we've got poultry scientists, poultry veterinarians, uh, poultry nutritionists coming in to teach all of these nine awesome outbreak sessions for you at CoopTastic 2020. Um, If you're just now hearing about this, it's going to be held at the beautiful 4-H Center in Alabama, in Columbiana, Alabama, the beautiful 4-H Center there. It is a fabulous location. Friday night after you check in and have dinner, we're going to have an awesome meet-and-greet bonfire with s'mores. That's going to be sponsored by um, McMurray Hatchery, so that's very, very cool. Thank you so much for them for sponsoring that event. And um, then Saturday night, we have a motivational magician that's going to be there, and that's going to be our main entertainment for Saturday night. We're hoping after that event, we'll have another either meet-and-greet bonfire or maybe some uh, and crack it together and, and whatnot, so we're really looking at having something after another meet and greet uh, so all the attendees can uh, kind of mingle and get to know each other because they're coming from all over the country. We have attendees signed up from California to uh, South Carolina, from Texas all the way up to uh, Wisconsin. So this is, without a doubt, um, a, a, a nationwide event. Our sponsors are really coming in strong. We're going to be giving away a $1,200 chicken coop from Urban Coop Company, which is going to be fantastic. Um, Metzer Farms is going to be there from California, and they sponsored uh, one of the uh, outbreak sessions um, rooms, so that's going to be fantastic. But it's just going to be a really great event, and we want you to be there. All-inclusive in package. It includes all your meals, all your entertainment, all your education two-night hotel $299 you cannot beat that folks anywhere okay how you get there is on your dime whether you fly or drive or hitchhike or take an uber but once you're there we have the solemn package for $299 now there's a catch but the urgency is there's only well physically there's only 51 rooms there on the site at the facility 51 hotel rooms um, and I haven't looked recently to see how many actually are left. Once the facility is full, then we start booking the hotels off site, which are about a 30 minute drive away. So, not bad. It's still all inclusive, $299. You'll just have to drive about 30 minutes in the morning to the uh, facility, uh, to the conference center, and then at, once it's over in the evening, drive 30 minutes back to your hotel. So, that's uh, kind of the urgency there. If you want to be on site at the facility hotel, You need to book now and book early, and it's just $2.99. You're not going to beat that anywhere, so keep that in mind. All righty, so CoopTastic 2020 is on its way. That is February 21st, 22nd, and 23rd of 2020. So uh, uh, you would think we have some time, but that hotel is going to fill up very quickly. And so if that interests you and that's important to you to be there on site, you want to book very soon. Got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to be discussing, or Rip is going to be discussing with us, uh, selection and breeding. Um, I don't do showing myself, I don't have time to show. Um, we've covered a lot of shows. We've done broadcasts live from shows. We've uh, done book signings at shows. We've actually done uh, workshops at poultry shows, but I don't actually show my poultry. Uh, I just really do not have the time to do that. It takes a lot of work, and uh, Rip is all about that. So we're going to go ahead and head over to the phone lines today and bring Rip on. Rip Stalvey with the American Poultry Association, and he's going to be sharing with us uh, his knowledge about selection and breeding. And then just so you know, uh, for the next 45 minutes minus two commercial breaks, um, this just really hits the tip of the iceberg. That's why initially I labeled this introduction introduction. To selection and breeding, some things to think about if you're wanting to go down that road. Rip, thank you very much for joining us today.
3: Andy, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. And so far, we're bright and sunshiny, but in a few days, I think we may get a little <laughs> stormy down here, in Florida.
2: I was following that. When, you know, for several years, we spent winters in Florida down at a uh, a resort, kind of in the middle of the state near Sebring, and then. Uh, uh, at lunch today, I was out with my son, and I pulled that weather up and saw that right now it looks like where we stayed the winters looks like it's right in the middle of that cone of possibility, I guess they uh, they call it. So who knows what it's exactly going to do, but yeah, uh, everybody's saying if you live in Florida, have that seven-day preparedness plan, seven days of water, seven days of food, seven days of this, seven days of that. And uh be prepared for the worst and hope for the best.
3: Absolutely, man. Absolutely.
2: All we got to do is well, to... Oh, go ahead.
3: Uh, I was just going to say, you know, I, I wanted to talk about selection and breeding today. And some of the folks are probably out there thinking, what in the world is that crazy man talking about? You know, this is the end of the summer. Soon as it's going <laughs> to be fall. You breed chickens in the spring. <laughs> well, they're <laughs> absolutely right. But now is the time to start making your choices of the birds you want to breed, in other words, your selection, uh, and and putting together a plan on how you're going to produce quality birds come next spring. So that was the whole point of bringing it up this time of year. I just didn't want people to think I was totally off my rocker here. Uh, (laughs) Just partially, but not totally. (laughs) I recently had an opportunity to... um, Before I get into that There's a couple of things I I wanted to mention There's two new Facebook groups out there Some of your listeners might be interested in And they both have to do with waterfowl Uh, One is the North American Waterfowl Association And the other one is Preserving Heritage Ducks in the Southwest Both these groups are very much about education They're very much about helping each other And if you're into waterfowl at all I really suggest you check these groups out on Facebook. They're they are really good folks and, and really good information there. But, you know, recently I, I heard a blog uh, post, or no, really wasn't a blog post. It was, it was a podcast by uh, Don Schreider, And some of you may have heard of Don before. You know, he's uh-huh. been a long-time poultry breeder for brown Leghorns. Uh, he did some work. Oh, several years ago he was working at the Livestock Breeds Conservancy. Uh-huh. Uh, he was in, instrumental in the improvement and basically the reintroduction uh, of um a buckeye breed of poultry and, and did some incredible things with them to get them back to where they really need to be. Um, he's also author of uh, Story's Guide to Raising Turkeys. Um, huh. and, and there's a lot of parallels in there between turkeys and and poultry when it comes to breeding and selection so you know he's he's been around this game for a long time i've known him since through probably the early to mid 80s um so he's been around he's he's learned a lot he's shared a lot so uh he he just kind of thought he prompted that little spark said you know I, i need to get some of this out to andy's folks because now's the time when they really need to start thinking about it um And when I think about the importance of proper breeding methods, uh, probably the first thing that comes to mind is that the most important thing is the importance of culling techniques and how well you select your good birds and and cull out those birds of inferior quality that you don't want passing along those traits. Uh Um, And when we do it right and, and we we select only the very best then that benefits us actually by reducing the gene pool which goes contrary to what a lot of folks think you know we need a lot of genetic diversity and and, and all this kind of stuff and, and I understand where they're coming from and there's a time when that plays a good role in the poultry fancy is there's a, a particular preservation breeding where you want to increase or at very least maintain the genetic pool that's out there but I constantly see folks wondering where can I get a new male bird Or I I need to get uh, some birds to breed into my flock if they need to improve here they need to improve there Uh, how do I go about doing that but reality is when they bring in new birds to, to introduce to their flock they are adding additional genetic material that was not there before and it's sort of like drinking a cup of coffee and you're down to a half a cup and Well, I want some more, so I'll just fill it up with some hot water and then go further. All it becomes is diluted, and after a while, it doesn't taste like coffee anymore. Uh, So what we want to do is remove the bad genes and intensify the good genes or the good traits of these
2: birds. Now, not to to stop you there, I guess – this is yeah. fascinating, and the first thing that came to my mind when you jumped right into this and, and started talking about it, which is again fantastic, because I'm, 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 all this is again new to me, and I find it fascinating, is that I guess the first thing that came to my mind was before you even start all of this, is you, not kind of, but you need to know the standard for that breed that you were breeding or want to breed and want to start selecting for, you've got to know that in and out. You've got to know what, not just what the judges are looking for, but you've got to know that really the ins and outs and everything about the breed and what, what meets the standard for that breed. So then you can know all of the stuff that you're talking about you can know, okay, well, I've got merger are inferior, maybe here or here, according to the standard are the perfect bird of this uh breed and variety and um so i guess first you've got to really really know your birds that um that you're that, and all about them the ones that you're wanting to replicate i guess that's the first thing i guess uh, you probably really need to know but the second thing and before i forget this, this may be further down the line it probably is but um when you start this process that you're talking about. Um, Are your chances greater if you're filling up that GQF Sportsman with 300 eggs uh, versus, say, filling up um, a GQF Genesis Model 1522 uh, with 43 eggs? Does that that end up playing a part? I mean, would I truly have a better chance of finding a perfect bird or one that's going to be closer to meet the standard if I'm hatching out 300 at a time more to choose from I guess the theory versus 43 or can I do it with 43 as long as I feel like I have good breeding stock and that uh, probably jumping the gun a little bit but those are two things when you started that I wanted to get in before I forgot
0: well
3: that's good and it brings up a good point and
2: I want to talk about that a little bit later on but
3: to your point uh my answer is it depends you okay. know, if, if you have run-of-the-mill birds or slightly above-average birds, then the more you hatch, the better chance you have of producing a bird that's of much higher quality. But if you have really good quality birds and, and they're pretty much spot on to what you're looking for, you don't have to hatch a lot of birds uh, okay. to produce a an improvement in your flock. Um, and a point that Don brought up, and, and a lot of folks overlook, and sometimes, and I've enc- encountered it too, when I would be selling my excess birds and all that, and you tell them, well, you want $25, 30 for this bird, and they look at you like you've absolutely gone off the deep end and lost your mind. Uh, I had one guy say, well, you know, $3.50 is, is a fair price for any chicken.
0: <laughs>
3: and... Well, when you stop and think about this just this alone is if you hatch a hundred chicks let's say by the time you bring them to maturity you've got roughly one bag of feed per chick invested in those birds to go from day old to mature birds now let's say somewhere along the line you start culling early and, and removing those in for your birds and you've got um you know you hatch 100 but towards the end you're down to 50 well at that point you've got two bags of feed invested in 50 chicks per chick. so it, it's um I'm, re- I'm reminded of something i told somebody one time they said can you make any money in chickens? And I said, Well, I know there's money in chickens because I put it there. Because uh, it's not it's not an inexpensive proposition, but it's not as expensive as raising beef cattle or dairy cattle or hogs, for example. Um, it, it's it's still a reasonable reasonably priced hobby uh, to be involved in. But so one of the things that that we need to do when we start breeding birds is become good colors, And that means removing those birds that are inferior. The only way, like you said, that you're gonna become good at culling is to have a copy of the standard of perfection, read the standard for your breed, and understand it and learn how to apply that. You know, Mm -hmm. if it calls for a 60 degree angle tail and you've got a 30 degree angle tail, well, then the tail angle needs to come up. Uh, if it calls for high wing carriage and the wings are held down around the thighs, then you got to figure out how to get the wings up. If the color's a little bit off here, you need to select birds to breed together that will get the color to where you want it. And it, the same can be said for each part of that chicken, the head, the beak, the eyes, the comb, right on down to the tail feathers. And it's not something that a lot of folks can grasp Easily, the first time they try it, oh, gosh knows, I've produced a lot of miserable-looking chickens over the years uh, before I've really caught on to some of the important things. But if you have that standard and if you learn your breed standard, and I'm going to throw this part in too, and if you learn the first 39 pages of the standard of perfection, there's a lot of things that are mentioned that are faults and and cul-factors, and disqualifications in those first 39 pages that aren't covered in the breed standards for example duck foot and duck foot is where the hind toe twists around to where it's pointing forward much like a duck's foot or, or side sprig on the comb and the side sprig is on, on the single comb birds is where it juts out at right angles from the comb uh, those are all disqualifications because they're genetic defects that can be passed on from one generation to the other and and most of your disqualifications are that because they can't be passed along Uh, crooked keel bones and it it goes right back to marketing Um, you know back before mm, 1945 roughly the um, standard bred breeds were the commercial breeds of their day the barred Plymouth Rocks, the Rhode Island Reds the New Hampshire's, the White Leggers, the Brown Leggers the Minorcas. These were all commercial birds, and then they began to be replaced,
0: <coughs>
3: excuse me, by hybrids, because the hybrids were a little more efficient. And slowly over time, they became a lot more efficient at a producing weight if that's what you were looking for. Or B laying large numbers of eggs if you were into egg production. Um, and they have slowly. Since about 1945, they have garnered the vast majority uh, of the market for the hatchery birds out there. And I don't blame the people. I mean, my gosh, if all I wanted was some eggs, I'd go down to get me 25 bogan browns, and I'd be set. Yep. One of the drawbacks to the hybrid birds is they cannot reproduce themselves. They are not a sustainable breed (laughs) like the standard bred birds are. Are they better at what they do than the standard bred birds? You bet. But it took years of genetic research, breeding application to be able to produce those birds that we enjoy today um, because they do lay large numbers of brown eggs in the case of bovine browns or the um, high lines, white leggings, just stellar uh, layers of of good sized white eggs. But um, it's Kind of all in what you want, but what I some of the things we're fixing to get into here is, is I'm just going to try to plant a little seed, if you will, with the listeners about what they can do and to convince them that they can do it. It's not hard rocket science. It's paying attention to your birds, paying attention to the chicks that you produce and how they grow out, and then learning how to adjust if you need to. Do I need to change my mating slightly or did I get really good results? Well if I got really good results, I may repeat the same breeding next year. Uh, if, if I've got things that need correcting, well then I'll look for birds in my flock that will bring those better qualities to the forefront. But it, it's um, it to me, the breeding and the deciding which birds to keep and which birds to to breed forward, is just a really big part of it for me. I enjoy that challenge. I enjoy uh, getting my hands on those birds and and looking at things, looking at the color patterns or, or feeling for the, the length of the keel bone, for example, or the, the depth of body from the back to the bottom of the keel bone. Those kind of things that just by looking at them, you can't really judge all that well. But that's, that's what is, is enjoyable to me as showing or or judging, or, or or anything else, but breeding, like we talked about, is basically offsetting faults. You never want to breed two birds together that has the same fault. For example, if you've got a bird that has a narrow, pinched head, and the, the uh, beak and mandible is pretty straight out there, and we call that a crow head, and you, that's not a desirable thing to have because the birds are are usually not thrifty, they don't produce well, Uh, they don't have good livability. So if that's all I've got, what chicken or what female I have can I breed to a male like that? You know, I I want a female that has a good, strong head, wide bone structure in her head, a good, curved, strong uh, beak and mandible. Uh, And never breed two birds that have the same fault. Always use uh, offsetting faults. But by the same token, if you've got two birds that are really good and strong and the quality you're, you want, uh, and I'll use heads again as an example, they have that broad skull, they have that deep skull, they have a good strong curve beak. Breed them together, they're going to produce more of the same. But if you don't correct the the bad faults, you can't get to having the good faults or, or the good the good qualities. Uh, And by the same token Some folks uh, get the idea Well if I've got a bird That um, I'll use this example That is underweight by a pound and a half So then I I, Some folks go out there And they'll look for a bird that's overweight By two and a half to three pounds And thinking Two wrongs are going to make a right Doesn't really Apply itself that way Doesn't work that way at all Because when you have two birds that are extreme in a particular quality and you breed them together you don't get birds that are sort of middle of the road you get birds that are either on the low end of the quality spectrum or on, on that quality or overweight and you, you don't get the, the ideal weight that you're looking for so you have to breed one with a fault to a bird that is ideal in that quality and then you can begin to make some progress. Then then you can begin to see the improvement in your birds. Okay. Um, it's, it's basically intensifying good traits is what you want to do. You want to remove the bad traits and intensify the good traits. And that is going to be basically when it boils down to. You're going to be doing some very good line breeding to be able to do that you can't do that with constant outcrossing. it's going to take some very well thought-out breeding practice to get you where you want to go now with that said that I probably should have started off at this point first but anytime you're mating chickens you want to put a lot of emphasis on the birds vigor you know are they active do they hustle around if they're out there uh, on the free, on the free range? Um, you know, I, I, an old timer told me one time, never breed a bird that has been sick in the previous year. And I remember when he said that and I thought, well, that's kind of strange because I mean, any chicken can come, come down with a cold or the sniffles or be exposed to a virus and get sick. That really wasn't making sense to me, but, The older I became and the more I began to really study things and to delve into things, those birds that were sick prior to being used in the breeding pen tended to produce chicks that it was easier for them to become sick later on in life. But birds that were always vigorous, always healthy, always active tend to produce birds just like that. Vigorous, active, healthy birds. And over time you can create a flock of birds that is extremely disease resistant Um, one thing I think where people run astray that are new to the fancy and and the backyard folks as well um, is over medication Um, I'm on several backyard poultry groups I see commonly post about um, my bird was sneezing what, what antibiotics do I need to give it? <laughs> or my bird doesn't look quite right. What, do I, what medication do I need to give it? Or my bird's a little droopy looking today. It was fine yesterday. What, do I need? what medication do I need to give it? Um, in many, many instances, you don't really need to give it to anything. That bird that was sneezing may have dust in her nostrils. That bird that's a little droopy may just be a little tired. Uh, They may be getting ready to mow. Gosh, there's there's a lot of causes for droopiness. So just be sure that if you think you've got a sick bird, that you do indeed have a sick bird. And get in touch with somebody that knows. uh, If you have a poultry veterinarian or a farm veterinarian that will look at poultry, God bless you because they're few and far between. But consult him ask them you know here's what I'm seeing is this something I should be concerned about and I think many times by over medicating our birds we are creating birds that have a tendency to get sick easier and then we also on the other side of that corn we have diseases that are becoming uh, immune to some of the treatments that we've been using for a long time and, and I know I've heard you talk about that before So it's it's really just applying good common sense is what it all boils down to. Um, Andy, before I get on a huge roll, I know it's probably about uh, commercial time for you, so if you want to take Brown, uh, I'm I'm more than willing.
2: That sounds good. Yeah, we'll take a break here. We'll get back, and we'll continue with Rip Stolvey with the APA, American Poultry Association, with our introduction to selection and breeding. And uh, we'll be back right after this short break. Stay with us, folks. Enter the coupon code Whisper at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at brensea.com. That's b-r-i-n-s-e-a.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website cacklehatchery.com for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's cacklehatchery.com. Sweet PDZ has been keeping horse stalls ammonia-free and healthy for nearly 33 years. However, ammonia is ammonia, regardless of the species producing it. Therefore, it will do the same great job in your chicken coops and brooders. Sweet PDZ safeguards flock health by neutralizing and eliminating harmful levels of ammonia and odors. Safe and effective moisture absorption. All natural, non-toxic, premium grade zeolite mineral. Contains no masking scents or chemical perfumes. Safe and beneficial to dispose with waste on compost and gardens. Learn more at SweetPDZ.com. That's SweetPDZ.com. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at Stromberg'sChickens.com. That's Stromberg'sChickens.com.
4: At Kumbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all-natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens... Our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Combat Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer.
1: And now we return to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer with your host Andy Schneider.
2: All right, I'm never it never ceases to amaze me when I'm out there and I'm either looking at Amazon or even some of the um, pages and the groups that are out there that it seems like about once or twice a week I will see another positive review about ChickFresh. And uh, it's, out of all the products over the years that we've tested, some uh, go away really quick and then some hang around for a long time here, even on our farm and homestead. And so I look out just this week and I saw yet another very positive review about ChickFresh. You need to go check them out over on Amazon. They have a a one-bottle deal, but they also have a two-bottle special, and Chick Fresh basically helps you eliminate odors not only in your brooder, not only in your coop, but (laughs) we've started using it in my truck, um, in our kitchen garbage can, in the cat litter box, in our rabbit pen. Um, It is absolutely crazy amazing, and don't take my word for it. <laughs> just go look at the reviews and about every week. No kidding. I'll see one or two additional positive. I've yet to see a negative review about the chick frat product. Spray it in your coop, in your nest boxes. If you're brooding chicks, um, we all know how, because most of us though, it's not probably recommended have our brooders inside our home somewhere. <laughs> guest bath, guest room, utility room, laundry room, basement somewhere like that and uh it's one of the biggest complaints is i can't wait to these chicks are ready to get outside because i can't tolerate the smell anymore well you don't have to um go check it out on amazon chick fresh odor control there's a one bottle deal but there's but look for the two bottle deal because you'll wish once you buy and try that first bottle and you pay about three or four dollars buying the second bottle in that package it's not very expensive but wow you will see the difference and don't, again don't take my word for it go look at all the reviews from all these folks that were like me skeptical until we tried it and now it's pretty much become a staple here not only outside on the farm but inside our house too underneath the sink <laughs> where we keep all the cleaning supplies is that bottle of Chick Fresh. And just about every time I change the garbage bag in the kitchen, it gets two to three pumps of the Chick Fresh. It's amazing stuff. And it'll cut down the ammonia odor, not only in your brooder. Try it in your brooder; Guarantee you, you'll continue to use it in your coop. So go check them out over on Amazon. Just look for Chick Fresh Odor Control at Amazon and get yourself some of that good stuff. All right, let's back a friend, Rip Stalvey, for the American Poultry Association. We're talking all about selection and breeding today. Alrighty, It's the balls back in your court, my friend.
3: <laughs> Thanks, Andy. And again, I just want to say what a pleasure it is to be on your show again. You've got great listeners. I always get good feedback when I'm on your show.
2: Well, thank uh, you so much. We do have fantastic listeners that have stuck with us for a very, very, very long time. And uh, I think what sets us apart is having guests just like yourself uh, and being educationally motivated and I think people really I think appreciate that um, with with what we do because they they they' they want to know the bottom line what's the bottom line here and I appreciate you talking about how it seems like so many people and I see this all the time too you mentioned it as well um, you know, my they they want to run to the store uh, and get whatever medicine they, they need to have. Oh, I saw this. I saw this. I saw this. What antibiotic? What antibiotic? And so, you know, I, I see some of those when they're posts uh, that they, they say they're posted within two or three minutes and they'll have some some complaint about their bird. And I'll be the first one to reply. And I'll be like, cue the Thailand 50 responses in three. Two, one, because I'm just waiting for it. Now, if I do that, it does eliminate some of the Thailand 50 responses. But if I'm the first one to respond to start to see that post about my chick has this, my chicken has that, my chicken has this, what do I need to give them? And I'm just like, okay, here it comes. So I become a little <laughs> bit smart Alec, and I'll say, uh, cue the Thailand 50 comments in three, two, one. And sure enough, here they come. Go to Tractor Supply, get you the Thailand 50, one cc in each breast alternating – Oh, jeez. So um, we saw this actually as as, as a paramedic for, for over a decade, and uh, EMT paramedic and firefighter, and of course even working part-time in the, the local dock in the box in, in the Atlanta area, um, we saw this with not just animals but with humans too. You know the first little anything they are in that dock in the box and they want a shot. They want that miracle that they want. You know, can I get a shot of antibiotic? Well, what you have that's not going to do anything. Yeah, but it'll make me, you know, make me feel better. And we saw it in in humans as well. Uh, they, they come, boom, they're right there. They're signing in because they want that magical shot in the hip of whatever antibiotic. Is you know is the flavor of the day for for the doctor that's there, but it was uh, you know there's of that and and in, in our human lives sometimes uh, as well. But thanks thanks for mentioning that. So uh, carry on, my friend. Carry on.
3: All right, <laughs>
2: um, you
3: know, let's say that some of your listeners have been trying this breeding thing for a year or two, and they're not quite getting the results. That they would like to see. There, there's there's something that seems to be missing, and I think that's a natural progression. Uh, we who who breed poultry kind of fall into that. You know, most of the people today that get into poultry uh, don't come from a rural background. I mean, they're suburban, they're urban in some cases. They didn't get exposed. To livestock, They didn't get exposed to agriculture. So they're starting basically from scratch, and, and they're really kind of lost, and I can understand that. So if you tried it and something's not working, just think about this. If you've tried it and it's not working, maybe you need to learn to embrace some new techniques. And that's what I want to talk about now, some of the techniques that folks can use, Begin to see that improvement. To begin to have a really quality flock of birds. It doesn't success in breeding doesn't depend on this big huge budget. Absolutely not. Uh, but it depends on our ability to aler- to learn and apply the knowledge and the skills that it takes to become a good breeder. Um, one of the things that I see talked about a lot of times is when we start talking about breeding tools or, or breeding methods, um, folks bring up, uh, oh, some folks call it flock mating, or some folks call it uh, spiral matings, or some folks call it family matings, but where you're breeding a group of females to several different males, uh, you may be doing it all at once, you may have uh, 20 or 30 females and you put 3 or 4 males in there or maybe you've got 10 or 12 and and you use uh, one male for a few weeks and then you take him out and you put another male in there and use him and take him out until you've rotated all through the males. What this does is this tends to keep the genetics kind of all mixed up. It, it doesn't um it doesn't help refine birds but this type of breeding does have its place in the fact that this works really good if you're into breed preservation and you're working with a breed that doesn't have a lot of genetic diversity you want to keep the genes as many of those genes in your flock as you possibly can some folks tend to think of it, it's increasing the gene pool, it's really not, but it's kind of maintaining what you've already got so you don't go backwards. Um, so that kind of breeding does have its uh, does have its uses, and, and I have applied it before. and I've used it with, with good results. I just don't do that for very long of time. You know, I may do it for a couple of years, and then I go back to a little more refined method of, of where I'm breeding maybe uh, pairs or trios and and not using a male over several females. But, uh, you know, that's something that you learn to do and you pick up on with experience. And it, it's, it may seem hard and daunting at first, but it's really not. It, it What it boils down to is good breeding techniques plus application will give you good results. That's simply it in a nutshell. What is the ideal mating? What bird do I need to breed to what other bird um, is a question I get a lot. You know, how how do I mate these birds up? And my question or my response most of the time is, is with newcomers, the importance to having good matings more than anything else is to be good at culling learning which birds to remove from the flock once you get good at that once you get good at finding those birds that have inferior qualities that don't really measure up to the standard that are not as vigorous as perhaps you would like once you get good at removing those then your chances of producing better birds each year go up tremendously because you're removing all the bad qualities but intensifying the good qualities over time and and that's uh, what we're really looking to do with those ideal matings, is, is to intensify those good qualities. So if you're gonna be a good breeder, you better be a good color. That's what it all boils down to. Um, conservation breeding, uh, like I said, uh, has its application, uh, but to help intensify Good traits. I like to take male that I really like it has a lot of good qualities. Maybe if he's a leg and he's got good leg length, uh, good leg length and and leggings is one of the best ways I know how to help increase body size. And, and a lot of leggings I see today are, are too small in body size, but whatever reason. And then I, I I decide I want to use this bird, and then I go through all the females that I have. Um, and find the female or two, no more than two usually, that offset his poor qualities but help strengthen his good qualities. And I'll mate those, and I'll hatch and raise as many chicks as you possibly can. Um, And then you start to process over. It's culling, breeding, raising. A lot of people compare breeding poultry to a linear type operation where you got your breeders and then you hatch your chicks then you raise them to adulthood and boom, you're there. But it's really not. It's more of a circle type operation where you are constantly selecting your breeders breeding those birds producing the chicks growing the chicks out selecting those chicks once they mature and selecting your next year's breeders. It, it becomes a cycle. I like to call that the poultry breeder cycle. And it's, it's not a A, B, C, and D start to finish. It's, it's a never-ending thing. And the more you work it and the more you get into it, the better you're going to be. And pretty soon what you'll see is your bird's starting to become more uniform they're starting to look alike Um, one of the best compliments I think a breeder could ever hope to have is to have a judge tell them you know I can always identify your birds because they look very distinctive they're very uniform they all look alike and and that's a very very high compliment I'll illustrate that point. Uh, I was judging a show out in Washington State, and I was judging with Pat Malone. He's a judge from Texas, and Pat and I were out there judging. I kept watching Pat, and I kept watching Pat, and I kept watching Pat, and he's over there scratching his head looking at some black Wyandotte Bantams. And later on, I was giving him a hard time about it. I said, were you having a struggle picking out the best uh, black Wyandotte Bantams over there? He said, "You know, I really was, and when a judge tells me that it's usually because the birds are all very good, and his re- next remark was, you know, I could have put those four black white dot pullets in a burlap sack and picked them out in any order, one, two, three, four, and i wouldn't wouldn't be wrong. That tells me a lot about that breeder's ability." to produce uniform quality birds. And that's what you're striving for. You learn to uh, intensify those good traits. Um, And once you're consistently doing that, you have a flock that has, I, I guess one way to describe it, they are overall above average birds so many flocks out there are overall mediocre or average birds but once you you get the knack of this culling and and selecting birds and matching them up you begin to see your birds becoming more uniform uh, the average quality just keeps going up year after year after year uh, another question i get from folks is how often do you repeat a breeding or do you ever repeat a breeding? And my answer is yes, I do. Uh, if I put together, uh, let's say, a pair of birds and they produce a lot of above or average quality birds that are all very uniform and I really like, I'll repeat that breeding the next year. I won't change it. Where I will make adjustments and changes to go further down the road is I will make those changes and adjustments in the chicks that I get from them. <clears throat> But I, if I've got a good breeding, I'll, I'll milk that thing for all I can, as long as I can. Um, Jim Ryan, who was a, an old legged breeder that I, I knew years ago, uh, had a three-part test for his birds. He said they had to have good ancestry, they had to pass his sibling test, and they had to pass the progeny test and what he meant was if birds didn't have a good background he didn't know what that background was if they didn't have a good ancestry chances are they never got bred at this place they would go on down the road so he would take birds with a known ancestry and breed them together and he could take related birds to them and breed those birds together and then he would compare siblings from each mating you know, which mating was producing the best and then he would evaluate the chicks uh, that was his progeny test where were his quality chicks coming from uh, and you, you can make some tremendous progress in a really big hurry there um, so remember to evaluate all the birds in your flock not, not just your, your breeders Um, But every single bird you've got, you go through it at least once a year. I like to do it more than that, but at least once a year, and you evaluate every bird out there. You know, is that bird capable of moving your program forward? If they're not, why are they there? I mean, come on. Uh, We've already talked about how much feed it costs to raise a bird and to maintain a bird. Uh, If if they can't move your flock forward, they're really not doing you any good. And one of the other downsides of that is folks that do keep those birds chances of them to say well I've got these birds I just as well made them up and see what I can get (laughs) and that's when you that's when you start backing up in the process so if you've got birds that that aren't that good overall quality pass them along to somebody else who's worked wants to work hard and and maybe try to build their flock up with some of your birds because um That's when it becomes worthwhile. That's when it becomes very worthwhile.
2: Where where does um (laughs) where where does luck fall into all of this? (laughs) Because I mean I trust me I I get that there is a ton and a ton and a ton of really hard work and science because you know that's what we're all about here um, involved in this. But you know sometimes you there's sometimes I guess you just get lucky and you're like. Wow, this is this is amazing! Or wow, really lucked out on that one! Or hey, this
0: mm-hmm.
2: this you know I just so I guess like with everything else, uh, the science and the skill and all this education is is very important. But every now and then, I guess, rip, I guess you would get lucky along the way and something would happen just phenomenally.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: uh, in your breeding process, I reckon, I guess the thing that would frustrate me the most, and I think I've probably said this, our long time listeners who know probably what I'm about to say, because I've said this, uh, probably once or twice a year over the last decade that, that we have shows like this. And, and I guess, you know, and, 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 and you know, it, it happens. You've got you know, I've got I've worked seven years for this I'm here at the national show and I've got all the science and education about about this and I've worked so hard and I've been breeding and I've been calling and I think I've been doing the right thing. And here comes Sally Smith. And she just bought her birds. <laughs> she just bought those birds last week at the local show. And now she's entering them in the national show. And lo and behold Sally Smith wins. <laughs>
3: so, that, happens happen lot, all the...
0: <laughs>
3: that happens a lot, Andy. And my philosophy is anybody can buy a good bird. That's not hard to do. Not anybody can breed and produce and grow and finish a good bird. That's yeah. when it becomes uh, very, very rewarding. And, and yeah. for me, there's three things about poultry breeding. <laughs> And it goes right along with what you're talking about. It's part science. It's part art. And it's part luck. I mean, let's face it. You know, and, and my grandfather had a saying, and you've probably heard it before, you know, blind hog finds an acre every now and then. <laughs> uh, but it's how, how often can he find those consistently good acres that really counts when it comes right down to it? Um, but just to review just briefly and, and then I'll wrap up because I've got some other stuff but I know sure. if I try to get into it I'm going to have oh, to yeah. quit before I can, yep. I can wind it up but remember what is the overall average quality of your flock um, what can I do to improve that overall quality the average and to remember to look for matings uh, that produce those high average quality birds. Repeat it, repeat it, and repeat it. And finally, I'm going to close, uh, and I've used this before, and I, I think I've probably used it on your show too, but it is so true uh, that when you're breeding birds, there is what I like to call the law of 10%. That means for every 10 birds you produce, you will keep one. You know, produce one that's worth keeping. For every hundred birds you produce, you will find ten that's worth keeping. For every thousand birds that you produce, you'll find a hundred that's worth keeping and one really, truly outstanding knockout bird. But And I've seen this happen time and time again. I've, I've talked with old fanciers, and they confirmed that that for every 10 you get one so it's not easy It's but it is worth it and it's what keeps me hungry and what keeps me coming back to poultry
2: that's fantastic and with yeah. that my friend
3: I'm, I'm going to turn it over to you and again thanks for the opportunity and thanks for your listeners uh, I appreciate them listening to my long suffering going on here but uh, I, I love poultry I've, I've made some wonderful friends and the fancy uh, that I will cherish to the day I die
2: yep it was a great show and like I said I I titled it when I was thinking about it this morning scheduling it you know these are such deep really deep topics that I said hey this would probably be a really good introduction selection and breeding because we could probably fill a year's worth of fourth oh, Thursday really shows <laughs> and probably still just hit the tip of the iceberg with this particular topic but I think it's going to get a lot of people excited and th- those th- who didn't know that now's the time to start for your breeding and selection program for you know this next spring now's the time to do that and you, you clarified that early on so um Rip, thank you very much uh, for coming on today. We always appreciate you. I think uh, technically this is the fifth Thursday, but want to remind our listeners that Rip joins us the fourth Thursday of every single month in case something happens with my schedule or his, or if there's a fifth Thursday, we may land on the fifth Thursday like we did today, I believe. So, But um, thank you very much for coming on, and uh, we'll see you next
0: month.
3: Well, thank you, Andy. And, and like you said, we may not yeah. be consistent, but we're going to have fun <laughs> doing
2: it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for uh, coming on today. That's Rip Stalvey with the American Poultry Association. We'll be back right after this short break. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937.
4: Are you one of the many Americans that keep backyard poultry? Do you want to give your birds the best care possible? The Chicken Whispers Cooptastic 2020 Conference will teach you how, plus more, too. Cooptastic will be February 21st, 22nd, and 23rd, 2020 at the beautiful Alabama 4-H Conference Center near Birmingham, Alabama. Educational programs by poultry scientists, veterinarians, and nutritionists, plus fun activities give you an unforgettable experience. Conference packages are available from just for a day to the full experience with meals, entertainment, and lodging. The all-inclusive package is an amazing value at around $300. On-site lodging is limited, so reserve your spot as soon as possible. Visit www.chickenwhisperer.com today for more details.
2: Metzer Farms is now hatching and shipping the premier egg layer. This girl is consistently laying jumbo eggs with a higher nutrient density and lower water content than your eggs now. She is an extremely hardy bird and the most heat and cold tolerant egg layer available, allowing for year round outdoor production. An eggshell unmatched in sturdiness and thickness, making cracks a thing of the past. Increase your health and double your egg profits. Of course, we're talking about ducks. Duck eggs are revered by chefs for their succulent flavor and by bakers for being the better baking egg. Learn more about this extraordinary duck, the Golden 300, or any of our other 35-plus breeds of ducks and geese at metzerfarms.com. And order your next flock from us.
1: And now we return to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer with your host, Andy Schneider.
2: All thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Brought to you by our good friends over at Com Bach Feeds. And we want to thank Rip again for coming on and sharing his decades of knowledge uh, about selection and and breeding. Uh, one more time, want to share with you uh, some more information about some things we're, we're we're doing and using here on the farm. Uh, Over the last couple of weeks, it seems like Mother Nature has said, you know what, Uh, I'm not quite ready to let go of summer and move into fall yet. Uh, Though this morning when we walked out on the back deck, you could tell it was uh, uh, getting uh, to be fall. Uh, I can see that with the peppering of leaves uh, uh, coming down the driveway from the road and and, uh, along the the edge of the woods where we have uh, when I mow and seeing the the leaves on the ground. But uh, the last two weeks, uh, Mother Nature really was like, I'm not letting go of summer yet. And we really had some hot temperatures here in in the Deep South. And one of the things a lot of people would want to immediately reach for is a vitamin and electrolyte. Uh, And then after that, they go and reach for a probiotic. And then after that, they go reach uh, for, uh, let's see, who knows what else, Uh, all these additives that they're going to add when when in in actuality they could be having and purchasing one single product. Like Chicken Delight, which again has vitamins and electrolytes, amino acids, um, it's got the probiotic, the prebiotic, all in it, right right there in one. And it's very easy. They have it they made it very simple for you. One scoop per gallon. That is it. You've got a five gallon water font out there like we do, it's five scoops. And so um, on the label I'll be quite honest with you and, and I've talked to um, the uh, um, uh, chicken delight folks is that I personally don't use it every single day uh, you know I'm about truth and advertising I'm not going to sit here and lie to you I don't use it every single day like the label may suggest um, but I probably use it about once a week here um, especially when uh, the birds may be stressed for whatever reason um, we had some very, very hot days, and I made sure that the once or twice a week that I use it coincide with those hot days over the last couple of weeks. And it's very easy. You're going out there you're just every single day because it's hot, and you're cleaning their waterers, you're replacing their water, giving them some fresh, cool water, and you're adding one scoop per gallon of the Chicken Delight. The reason why I like it, folks, and you know me, is because it was developed by a— Scientist. It's developed by a global um supplement company, Phytobiotics, and it, they they've 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 developed this product um from other products that they, they've got there at the commercial level and, and, and uh it's just amazing. So you know you don't need to go out and buy four or five six different products when all you need is one: phytobiotics, it's called Chicken Delight. Uh, you can find it on Amazon, by the way. Just type in Chicken Delight, D E L Y T E, Chicken Delight, D E L Y T E, and uh, you can uh, you can try it out. Like and, and look at the reviews. The reviews are absolutely amazing and absolutely positive. You know, when you go and you look at the advertisers we have, they're very limited. We keep them limited on purpose. Um, Over the years, we've sent far more people away than we have actually on our um, sponsor list. And if you look at our sponsors, they have been with us for eight and 10 and 11 years. Um, And um, we'll see if um, uh, Chicken Delight is going to be one of those that sticks with us in the long haul. Um, And uh, it's one of those other things that we've tried and tried here that has become a staple. Now, again... You may read on the label, use it every single day. We don't do that here. We probably use it once a week in all of our waterers and maybe twice a week during those really hot months. Or when they start molting, when we go through a big hard molt and we're due this this right about now with a couple of flocks that we have based on their age to really go into a hard molt. And then I will really sock it to them with the Chicken Delight just to supplement them a little bit uh, with those vitamins and the minerals and electrolytes and amino acids and, of course, the probiotic and the prebiotic. So check them out on Amazon. That is Chicken Delight. So um, also, please remember that if you want to stay on site at uh, cooptastic 2020. Uh, I urge you to go ahead and register as soon as possible. It's $299. That gets you two nights, hotel accommodations, all your meals. And it's like, how many meals? Six meals? One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, six meals. So you're getting dinner on Friday, breakfast, lunch, and dinner on Saturday, and breakfast and lunch on on Sunday. Um, All your snacks. uh, You get three snacks on Saturday, one snack Saturday, Sunday morning. Uh, Includes all your awesome entertainment. Uh, It's it's just fantastic. You're not going to beat it anywhere at $2.99. But the reason why you're going to come is because we have second to none list of speakers presenting Auburn University, North Carolina State University, and University of Georgia poultry science departments. And it is going to be chicken education overload. But we're going to have fun doing it because we'll be surrounded by a ton of like-minded folks that want to learn about keeping their backyard flocks healthy uh, and, 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 and uh, healthy as possible. So very, very important there. So just go to cooptastic2020.com and sign up today.
1: This has been Backyard Poultry with The Chicken Whisperer with your host, Andy Schneider. For more information, find us on the web at chickenwhisperer.com. On Facebook, by typing in The Chicken Whisperer. On Twitter, at Backyard Poultry, and on Instagram at the Real Chicken Whisperer. Thanks for listening.